0: This is Magnolia Leadership Podcast, heart, soul, and earth aligned. I'm Katherine Miller, a holistic practitioner of 30 years and your host. Join me as we discuss what it means to lead from the sacred feminine. Magnolia Leadership is here to guide you home, remind you of your courage, awaken your deepest knowing, revealing your fullest expression, and supporting your beautiful blossoming. Welcome in. My dear friend, Shay Carrillo, has chosen to live a life aligned with beauty and creativity. Thirteen years ago, she followed a creative thread that has blossomed today into a movement towards revitalizing the linen industry in Portland, Oregon. Trusting the safety and guidance of beauty, Shay has been inspired to advocate for healthier food access, land stewardship and creating spaces for beauty to thrive. In our conversation, we discuss launching a business while prioritizing motherhood first, the importance of disrupting the grind work culture, distinguishing between what is an individual problem versus a collective problem, defining a brand that takes up space and feels just right, food as the master healer of all, aligning company values with Jennifer Arbrecht's proposal for the feminine economy, and rerouting our divine power right into what actually matters most. I hope you enjoy. So we're going to just start by welcoming Shay. And would you like to say the business name that you currently have? Sure. Um,
1: um, the business is Madre Linen. And we've been in existence for four years now. We just celebrated our fourth birthday.
0: Amazing. Amazing. So I want to talk today about, let's start with who you are in terms of just who you are as a woman, a mother, community member, a friend, and I get, I know you in all of those capacities. And -hmm. then I want to talk about your sacred work, which is through Madre and just hear all of your ideas about the importance of women coming into greater and greater alignment within themselves their communities the earth and why that might be important for the healing of where we are as humanity so just a few light topics <laughs> yeah. and you know i i was saying before we started recording that i feel like you're such an embodiment of many of these themes and you may not even realize that you are but you are heart centered and soul-centered and earth-centered and doing your best to really show up from that place and through your business I think it really is showing more and more
1: thank you that's so
0: nice to hear that
1: resonance because it is something we talk about a lot
0: yeah so tell us a little bit about what's important to you
1: yeah, I mean, I would say that motherhood has been my most important role that I've lived in my adult life. It's what I've dreamt about the most. Um, it's what I put the most focus and energy on as toward as a young woman um, and making space for that and really wanting that early on in life. Um, and I think then career has always come second to that. And and motherhood has informed career for me.
0: Oh, well, that's that's juicy. <laughs> And that's where our paths cross. We, you want to tell the story of how we know each other? Right. So we met
1: in Jane Austen's home birthing class in San Francisco, 2001. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Both pregnant with our first. And we were a group of what, five women and three of us actually, well, one woman lost her baby during the course of the class. And then one woman didn't quite, we didn't quite connect with in the same capacity, but three of us remained very close, especially in the first couple years of those little first ones, mm-hmm. fives. It was such a supportive time. I mean, mm-hmm. what we got together like once a week, it seemed like.
0: At least.
1: Yeah. Nursed yeah. each other's babies.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Trying to stay sane in those early days. <laughs> yeah. Talk about sacred feminine. There we were first babies really relying on each other and wondering what the hell trying to figure out a way to have community and survive.
1: Yeah. And I think it was interesting for us to come together because I think each of us, if I remember correctly, like each of us in our individual lives didn't kind of, we were among the first to be having children in our communities of friends. And so, we really did rely on each other for that support because we weren't finding it in our or I wasn't finding it in my well-established friend group.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes. Same. So,
1: so that was a very bonding time, I think, as a result. Mm-hmm.
0: So tell me a little bit about the, that theme that you mentioned around motherhood being the influencer for your work.
1: So I had Pilar in 2002 and I was working, I was working creatively, which was great. But then when I, when I knew I was ready to have a second kid, we really structured our, our move here to Portland from San Francisco around that. And we were kind of taking this giant risk to have me be a stay at home mom, like this thing that I really wanted to be, which I think came out of, I would say my parents were very attentive as when I was young, but They certainly didn't have that luxury to be, Mm -hmm. to be with us as little ones at home. And that felt really important to me, like time I didn't want to miss time. I didn't want to give to someone else to do for me. And so it definitely was a real leap of faith. And then I went through that really horrible postpartum time after Mateo, Mm -hmm. which was really scary. And, um, and ultimately very transformative. Such a uh, feeling
0: for you in that.
1: There ultimately was. Oh, exactly. I just couldn't, I just couldn't find, I just couldn't see it at the time. Yes. Um so you know, I think then when I did kind of go back to work when Mateo was, well, he would have, I it was 2010 when I started the first business. And so Mateo was just three. I knew it had to be something that could, I wanted to do something creative and I wanted something that could really bend and move with my role as motherhood, as mother. It couldn't be something that took all my time that took me away during off hours. Like I really needed to flow with being a mom and being there for my kids and picking them up from school, taking them to the park, cooking dinner every night. That really mattered to me that we shared dinner around the table together as a family every night. Yeah. So I think, you know, that, that first business like kind of ran its course and, and it was not easy, I think, to start a business with two small children and try to make it go on my own. And I learned a lot doing that.
0: I was even thinking maybe the inspiration for that business, if I'm remembering. Oh, right.
1: (laughs) Right. Right. That iteration of business was so much focused around my kids. Like I was making products for kids. I was making the napkins for kids. I was very much focused around kids and Waldorf education. And yeah, the beauty I found in that. And then my own personal need to make things with my hands. Yeah. And then those things resonated for other moms too. So it really just started out doing little craft shows. And I was making everything myself. And then it wasn't until then I got like I got that big account with Heath that I had to really get serious about the business I was growing and making. and
0: so it was it was more organic until that point. It was so
1: organic and it was just what I could produce on my own, put up on my website, take the photograph, like I did every piece of it. So I employed all the work I had done pre-kids, you know, the styling and art photo production and art direction and and so that was really cool. Like it utilized all those skills I had developed. But then, yeah, when I got the Heath account, then I it was probably in 2011. Then I had to get really serious about this. Might be a real business. I can't make all of the. I can't cut mm-hmm. hundreds of napkins by myself mm-hmm. in my basement and sew so them by myself. Mm-hmm. I will, I will lose <laughs> my mind. I did try. I did try. Oh. Oh. Yeah, but I think you know that's then when I started to kind of understand that then I had a product that resonated with the marketplace and and it was really this piece that was focused around for me like the things that I cared about, dinner around the table, my kids' lunches. So beautiful. Yeah. It's so yeah.
0: beautiful. It's such a beautiful story. Oh, thanks. Yeah. It's and I think it just really speaks to this topic of, um, you know, being being creative, right? moving with what inspires you and being aligned to life and letting, letting our businesses move from there. And yes, that is, that is feminine leadership. That is, and you're being so creative with your business all along. Inspiring. I'm curious about where you are now. Love to talk about where you are now and let people know about your business and really get into some of the things that are inspiring you because I think they are very aligned.
1: They are. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it starts with, you know, in 2015, the business was really chug and that former business was called non-perishable goods or NPG. That business was really chugging along. And I had a, a woman working with me, Jeannie Kirk, just supporting me in all the things that needed to happen running a small business that year. Um, and we had a great partnership, like we weren't partners, but we had a great working relationship. And then my motherhood needs really turned up. Pilar was a teenager and it turns out that teenagers are a little like toddlers, like you have to really pay attention to them and Gotta be there. like, they need you in another big way, even though they're simultaneously pushing you away hard. So I pulled back from my business in 2016 in order to step deeper into my motherhood role again. Um, like I just, that was taking up all of my. A lot of my creative energy, actually, like emotional energy and creative energy. So trying to run a business by myself felt almost impossible and being responsible for other people, others' livelihood felt terrifying to me because I I couldn't focus. My daughter needed me at that time.
0: Well, it's impossible to be creative yeah. when we're
1: in more of a survival state. Exactly. So Jeannie and I parted ways in 2016. I really pulled back from the business for that year And then, um, and then I stepped back into it, but I was having a hard time finding quite the same, like inspiration, vigor, like something was missing from it for me. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. And, and so then, um, and Jeannie, Jeannie was my neighbor and we had remained friends. We had had this great connection working together, but we remained friends and she in, um, 2018 had grew and birthed her first baby and I I created her meal train for that first child and so as a thank you she had me over for breakfast in 2019 me and my family and um, Jeannie's background is in nonprofit work and uh, we had had this lovely breakfast and we were kind of wrapping up and she said you know Shay it's if you ever want to work together again, I'm, I'm, I want to, I'm ready. I want to create beauty. I, I need, I need something beautiful in my life. And I, this work in nonprofit work is feeling hard with a young baby and mm-hmm. and, and maybe a little bit dark. Like she was really working on some important hard initiatives um, that I think can, you know, sometimes feel depressing, like not lead you into a lot of hope And so I think with the birth of her first child, she was really needing that echoed back to her in a different way um, to bolster her in bringing this new life into the world. And, and I was like, that's so interesting that you say that because I had really been feeling like I, I can't do this alone anymore. This feels bigger than, like it's bigger than I can do on my own. And And I didn't want to be working alone. Um, I also had um, some issues, not issues, but um, I felt really good about the product in terms of what it was as a product. I felt good about the manufacturing we were using, which is a local, another woman-owned business here in Portland, Oregon. That felt super in alignment. I could not trace the origin of the fabric we were using, the linen fabric. And that felt, that didn't feel good to me. So I said to Jeannie, I said, well, here's what I'm thinking. I want to grow this brand into fully linen, move into bedding in addition to tabletop. And I want to find out if there's any way that this can be a fully domestic product. So we did a quick bit of research, like a week, (laughs) and we quickly learned that there was a really incred- incredible initiative underway already with an organization called Fiber Revolution, um, and Shannon and Angela had been hard at work working to understand: Can we restore and revitalize a fifty-year dormant linen economy here in the Pacific Northwest? Um, and it just lit us both. So
0: out. amazing! Like, it really like it really was, really was just the like emergence of the. Yes.
1: Yeah, it was like some wilds symbiotic energy happening out there really wild so that really we took that as our sign of like we need to proceed with this and so that was 20 the sorry February of 2019 and Jeannie and I spent that whole first year really concepting the brand we renamed the brand that name came to me literally in a dream I woke up with like a shot almost like It's madre. It has to be madre. And I messaged Jeannie right away. I was like, "Just sit on it. See how it feels. If it's right for you too." She sat on it for less than a day and was like, "I'm pretty sure that's right."
0: Was it actually in a sleeping dream or a waking sleeping
1: dream that woke me up? Yeah.
0: And you woke up and the name was there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And so we were like, "That. That's it. That's the name. It's madre." So that year of 2019, we really dug deep into thinking about Madre and what did we want Madre to be, not just as like a product brand, but really like, what were we up to? What was our ethos? What message were we trying to deliver? What were we trying to disrupt? Like so much philosophy and philosophizing around our dining tables that year. It's really incredible. And it's funny because it's I wouldn't say it was like, we were like, we're going to do this for a year. It was just kind of like this very natural organic progression of us taking the time that we needed to take and have these conversations that we needed to have. And, you know, think about like, we want this to be pretty big. We eventually imagine having our own mill that will be like a different section of Madre, a different business, like still under the Madre umbrella, but But separate, um, we talked a lot about company culture and if we're growing this, what do we want that to feel like? What are we up to? And we also spent that year working with a brander and having them help us with the, the logo, all the supporting typefaces. We spent a lot of time creatively mood boarding, like, what does this feel like? And we knew that we wanted the logo to feel really bold, really powerful take up space, Mm -hmm. Talked a lot about the archetype of mother and like just who we think that is and how beautiful we think the archetype of mother is. And that doesn't just mean people that have given birth. Like we all have the ability to mother selves, each other, Mm. children that are ours, not ours, (laughs) our elders, like it goes all directions, right? It's really just Mm. an energy, I think. And, and we wanted to capture that. And we felt, when we got back the the logos, our designer gave us about 10 different logos and we looked at them and independently figured out which one we liked best. And we both were like, that's the one we were so in alignment with that. Like it was like, it was no question. We weren't like, maybe this, maybe that, like we were both like, that's the one. And we love our logo so much. And it is something we get a lot of feedback about of just how much it resonates for people, whether it's just like a feeling or um, just a, a look, a creative look that appeals to people. I think it's so many things, um, the color, it just feels right. And that was a really exciting time. And oh, the thing I didn't mention is we leaned a lot on the philosophy and work of Jen Armbrust, who um, wrote the proposal for a, a feminine economy,
0: mm-hmm.
1: it's incredible and just has been an amazing guiding light for us. And how we move away from working inside of a masculine economy and the characteristics around that economy to a feminine economy, and all of the characteristics that come with a feminine economy abundance, mm-hmm. collaboration regeneration, just like, it's just so hopeful and exciting. So
0: those are the principles in Madre.
1: Those are the things that we then have pulled into Madre and employ inside of Madre and what we reference back to a lot. Um, when we're just thinking about growth and and even as we like hire new employees on and there's new dynamics to face, like how are we gonna hold those values inside yes. inside of a company that's growing and getting more complex, which is difficult. Like, you know, we're we're still tiny. We're not team, that many models. We're a team of four, but each person you add in, it's like a family, right? Each person you add in, the more touch points and dynamics there are to contend with in this bigger web the relational all the relational stuff so we think a lot about that we talk a lot about that um so then we were getting ready to launch in 2020 and the pandemic hit and that really put a pause on things for a moment probably for a full month we just were like a full we were a full stop <laughs> from mid march to mid april of 2020 and then we were like well this seems to be hanging around for a while
0: <laughs> longer than we knew
1: maybe we should Proceed in a different way, because our original plan was to really go heavily after hospitality industry. So more large orders from restaurants, hotels, that sort of thing for our product. But we were like, maybe we just need to like shift gears a little bit and focus on personal direct to consumer home goods. So we did that and we launched our website in for mother's day of 2020. And we were still pulling over um, old NPG product. So we didn't have our true Madre product yet. Um, We were still sorting out those two businesses. That's the two businesses, and also like developing partnerships with new supply chain Mm
0: -hmm.
1: vendors. So we then spent. We launched the website. The launch of that website allowed for some sales to come through to help fund an initial production round with with true Madre product. So then we launched our pre-sale in late August of that year with what is now the true the well the original signature collection we've since added collections and products but we launched with the signature collection and we had the most incredible response it was really amazing and really thrilling and we just have kind of lumped like humped along since then of like growing little little by little adding little collections when we can I mean, it was really, it was Jeannie and I, just the two of us for that whole first year, we brought our first employee on um, late summer
0: mm-hmm.
1: 2021. Um, so, you know, I was doing fulfillment out of my backyard studio. Jeannie is um, <laughs> an incredible communicator and she was managing all of our communications with wholesale accounts and customers and that kind of end of the business. So today, we I want to hear about today. Today, we're this sweet team of four. Um, I'm the creative director and co-owner. Jeannie is co-owner, and she's our um, organizational director. And then we have a young woman who is our account manager, account and fulfillment manager. And we have a production manager who manages all of manufacturing and all the pieces that come into that. And that is our newest hire as of last fall. Amazing. Yeah. So it's really allowed, like the account and fulfillment manager has really alleviated a lot of Jeannie's tasks to allow her to work on bigger mission stuff, bigger vision stuff. And then the production manager has, is relieving me of a lot of my tasks, allowing me to grow deeper into a creative position, which is really where I want to be yeah. like developing new products an outward vision for the brand. Um, And what that looks like. And then our hope is that with these two employees, we need probably a couple more before we get there. But um, then we can really start to shift our focus to deeper work on on the mill. So NALA has just formed, which is the North American Linen Alliance. um, And that really is going to put North America on the map for linen um, that we're serious about. So I don't know what you know about linen, but we were an incredible supplier of linen up through the seventies. So specifically Oregon through the second world war, we were a pretty, I mean, there was a lot of government support and initiative because Oregon was supplying a lot of linen for the war effort. But once that kind of dwindled down, it really just phased out. And like, like so many things, we just offshored it, like Mm -hmm. not, we didn't care about it. We let it go just went defunct. So it's, we're, it's really a revitalization project. Like we have to bring all the equipment back over from Europe. There's no existing equipment for harvesting, scutching and hackling, which is the first process in processing the the fiber and then the looms. So that's really what I think gets us the most excited. Yes. We love our beautiful product-based brand. It's exciting and fun and, you know, it gets to call in things that we do care about Mm -hmm. sharing meals and food with people is such an important part in both of our lives. But this really allows us to dig into this much deeper ethos goals mission, which is around so many things. It's around land stewardship. It's around organic food farming and the way that it dovetails beautifully and supporting that effort. Flax is an incredible interim crop that regenerates the soil, gives the soil a rest so it can revitalize, remineralize to grow food. We're excited about the mid-level entry, mid-level jobs that a linen economy is going to create for people that are not really existent here in Oregon. I mean, they're across America, we're losing mid-level jobs. We either have very kind of Basic uh, minimum wage jobs, and then we kind of have high level jobs, and we don't have a lot in the middle because we are not producers of anything anymore. So that meets that need for us. We talk a lot about can this mill really service women coming out of compromised situations? So women coming out of incarceration, women coming out of domestic violence, teaching them skills that they might not otherwise be able to access, both sewing and weaving, and provide on-site daycare. Like we have lots of lots of visions that we're like, Wow, Shay. How can this thing really like? I don't know. And it's it's so fascinating to me that it I mean fascinating and also like it just makes sense. Like it all feels like it's making sense finally this Jeez. thing mm-hmm. that I have been doing for the last 13 years and how all the parts are coming together and meeting Jeannie and I don't know. It's just it's really I wouldn't have guessed this was the path 13 years ago, but now in hindsight, I can see how it all part of the puzzle.
0: <laughs> and what, a lo- how did you, I mean, there's so many places to go with this story, uh, but first I want to ask, how did you follow this? Where did this live in you? And how mm-hmm. did you, because it, as you tell the story, it's, it feels like you've been aligned with something the whole time. And maybe in hindsight, maybe it's your values. Um, But there's something in this where you have kept going through babies, through teenagers, through things falling apart, coming together through the pandemic. There's like, I don't even know what you're following, but it's very present in the story. Mm -hmm.
1: That's such a good question. And I don't know that I could give voice to it either, except that I do think I am a very ambitious person and I I think I would be remiss and not say that there's something, I feel like this is something I'm chewing on right now, which is being a biracial person and really having had pretty clear visibility to two very distinct races and living inside of them, what that has meant. So I feel like there's something there that I haven't fully alchemized yet or like unveiled. I don't know. But there's something potent there for me. And I think it has to do with access to opportunity. Like, And I think that has always been a driving force for me of like, had I grown up with just my Latino family, my Mexican family, I know that I probably wouldn't have been awarded the opportunities that I have had in my life. Once we moved away from Salt Lake City when I was 10, I grew up with my my white mother and my white stepfather. And we lived in a very white community, affluent community in Ashland, Oregon. A lovely place to grow up. There were different opportunities in living inside of that world, that community. And so I I know I reflect on that a lot. And I think there's something that drives hard inside of me that is around. Wanting to provide some opportunity to others that maybe haven't had access to opportunity in the same way and, and knowing then like just kind of the real struggle, like the real struggle of what it means to be not white in this world.
0: I can definitely feel how those parts of you are informing the entire story that you just shared. Yeah. There's an arc. How you feel the mill, that's such a beautiful image, right? Yeah of yeah. where all of these pieces come together. And right? yes. well, you're able to serve this community that you want to serve in a yeah. way that provides the most meaningful thing we can provide, which is jobs.
1: Jobs. Yeah. Support and being a parent. Like mm-hmm. you don't have to sacrifice being a parent for your work. I don't know, like.
0: Amen. <laughs> uh, right? And vice versa, vice versa. Right? Absolutely. to be amazing moms and have amazing careers. And follow the ebbs and flows of that and have it be our truest expression, right? I think our work, your work and my work, and uh, most of the women that I know that are really conscious and trying to make an impact is really a sacred act. It's a sacred gift mm-hmm. an offering that we, we know that we have something to bring to the world, yeah. right? And your story really represents that. It's like, okay, there's this, there are these things that matter to me and yeah. my craft is around those. And then I have these beautiful offerings, right? They're received and supported. And then they grow to this next level Mm. and this next level, and then all the pieces come into support. It's like, to me, it's a story of just really trust, trust. Trust in yourself, trust in this process, trust in your creative ability, which there isn't anything that is more feminine than our ability to bring into form.
1: Right. No, I also think I feel like it wouldn't be a true representation also to say that I have been fortunate, so fortunate to have a partner, a male partner that has supported me in this. And
0: of course, I mean, when we're talking about
1: it and believed in me. And, you know, like, because I know there's privilege inside of that, that I, I always feel sensitive to speak to because I don't want to give the impression that I have done this alone in any way, shape or form. I I have been supported so much by my husband, by my parents, by my community at large that has believed in me and supported me. And,
0: you know, we're all connected. The idea that we're alone doing these things is just, it's a myth. It's a myth. It's a complete myth. And having, having that beautiful masculine partner that you have I know that there's like beautiful expressions of that and challenges as we all have, but yeah. it does allow us to step into our work more. And it also allows, yeah. so it's like, we're not talking about, we're talking about restoring the feminine, which restores the right relationship mm-hmm. between the masculine and feminine. And that union creates incredibly beautiful things in the world, in our families, our businesses, right? Yeah. The emphasis on restoring the feminine is just because it's been. Suppressed and repressed for so long that yes. to restore balance on this planet. Yes, we need madre, we need the Mother Earth, we need yes. the mamas yes. to be revered and supported and honored. And yes, I mean it sounds like your work is just a full expression of that.
1: Mm, thank you. Like it feels, I That's do. Amazing. Like it feels so clear. The path feels so clear to me now. I wouldn't have been able to say that five years ago, but today I feel like I can say that. Like all the parts have come together to create a lot of clarity for me. Well, and there's the falling
0: and... apart and the descent, right? This yes. is not Right. And yes. that's going to come again. I mean, we're talking about the cycles, right? There's moments of clarity and there's moments of falling apart and coming back together. And that's just, right. that's actually the reality of how life works. You just go watch nature for a little bit, right? Right. Right. So, you might have clarity sitting here on this call and the next season, maybe you know, want to follow later. Totally.
1: So that's so true. I think it's more of just like, I don't think uh five years ago I had a clear 10 year plan, you know, where I'm like, who knows what's going to come, the ups and downs that are going to come. But I feel like I have, I have a vision that I am, that I am moving toward. that feels clearer than it's ever felt before. So
0: amazing. Yeah. I, I want to follow two threads. One is <laughs> You know, I think I have a sense of what you're bringing forward with Madre, but I'd like to hear it in your own words. Like, why does this matter? And what kind of world are you hoping to create? Mm -hmm. That's one thing. And the second thing, I want to know what you're disrupting. You mentioned that. And I think that's really important Mm -hmm. for our sacred work, right? Yeah. How do you feel about those two threads? <laughs> okay. Which one do you want to start? Or any others that you feel like are important to find? Oh, I love it. Yeah. Um, which well, do you start want to with, Let's start with what you have birthed and why it matters. So if this expresses bullying in the world, what's different? What is different through your work?
1: Hmm. My hope is that we are birthing a really powerful message around mm-hmm. care. Care for ourselves, mm-hmm. care for one another care for the earth. And that care being, I think, you know, our, our tagline is we all eat, we all rest. And we really believe those are kind of the cornerstones of our lives. If we aren't doing those things well, we're probably not doing the other things in our lives very well. And those things take time and they take care. And so I think that actually dovetails with what we're trying to disrupt, which is a grind culture. Um, In a culture that likes to inform us that if we aren't producing, we aren't worthy. If we aren't busy, we don't have value. If we aren't earning, it likes to tell us all these stories, right? Yes. And while, yes, on the one hand, we need to work in order to have a livelihood, we all need and we all deserve time. To rest, time to gather around table with people we love or just ourselves and nourish ourselves with nourishing food. Um, that's a whole nother side topic.
0: I want to hear that. I, <laughs> I, I dream
1: about getting involved in food politics. I have a lot of rage about mm, our, rage. <laughs> yeah. You know, know, about big farm, big pharma, big ag, big industrial food complex mm-hmm. and and what our government is doing and how these things all fit together. So those are other pieces that I'm trying to figure out how they weave in.
0: But they weave in because it's you and it's what you care about. And that's what's coming through your business. So um, yes. And we can we can table that maybe we'll see if we have time yeah. to there because I think that's a really important topic that we both yeah about. And it is part of restoring balance to this earth.
1: It really is. The people and to you know I think a lot about how is it that access to nourishing, clean food is a privilege,
0: right?
1: How have we gotten here and why then always the lesser privileged have less access and then the complications that come with that? Like, mm-hmm. So, you know, I think first and foremost, we're pushing out this message around taking the time to eat and rest, mm-hmm. not eating on the go, not shoving food mindlessly into your mouth when you're traveling from one meeting to the next Meet. I don't know like yeah we have normalized this stuff in a way that really feels unnatural to me so that I think is our is really our big message is to slow down slow down
0: so and one of the things I know to be true in my work is that I'm teaching the things I need to learn yes <laughs> Isn't that funny? How that works. <laughs> and you know this—no surprise there. I of course, we all need to be restored, and we all need rest, and we all need, you know, um, beauty, and we all need the things that, to me, just like restore us to ourselves. Yeah. Right. And I know personally, I'm in a constant struggle with my programming around, you know, do more, be more, expand this way, do this. Like there's 10 more things you could do tonight, or you could just like take it back. Right. There's this, (laughs) and I love my work. And so to me, it doesn't feel, you know, it doesn't feel like it's taking me away from myself, but it is that the grind mentality. Yes. Right. Even just like launching a new business, we had similar um, ideals, like let's do this as a feminine business. So that means like, there's going to be ebbs and flows. There's going to be contractions. There's going to be days when people need to rest. There's going to be days when someone feels like out of that. And we're going to like, it has been, Yep. and even the concept, like a launch, like, what is that even like, what, why can't it just be this thing that, you know, is flowing and being born in the way that it needs to be. Right.
1: That's really interesting. That metaphor of a due date, right?
0: Yes. (laughs) yeah what the heck I mean we know how our due dates went yes we do so you know it's one thing to say this has been my experience I want to honor that I'm a woman that the things about being a woman really matter that we need to restore them and it's a very different thing to put it into practice in business and in mothering but especially in business right Mm -hmm. around like I have this thing I want to make an impact. I've been told there's a way to do it, right? It's been knocked in my head. And yet I am literally trying to do the opposite. Yeah. And so at every moment, there's this tension around, am I going to rest? Yeah. Right. I don't have it around the food because that's such a such a cornerstone of our life. But for me, it's rest mm-hmm. and really understanding like how much more that brings. Like I understand it, it conceptually. But right. It it's into my body. It's a different
1: it's like, thing to embody it. Yeah. It's a different thing to understand it in your head intellectually versus feel it, know it.
0: Yeah. In your body. So I love that you're like putting those things together in your business. And I'm curious if you want to share anything about, I mean, I know that you're a hard driving person. I know that you want to make an impact and I know that you like everything you do is full on. It yeah. is.
1: And I do feel like rest doesn't feel like the hardest thing for me. I think what I recognize, actually, I did just share with my team yesterday. We're we're starting to employ just sharing. We we haven't decided what we're calling it yet. If it's rosebud thorn or what it is, yeah. but like each in our Monday meetings, each of us taking some personal time to to share. And and over the weekend, I Saturday I, I was in bed until one p.m. Mm. I had had this really full week, lots of things to get done, deadlines, whatnot. And I just like, sometimes that's just I because of dealing with chronic illness and whatnot, like sometimes my body is just like, has to be oh horizontal. <laughs> and I really noticed that a shift has been happening in that old me would have really just scrutinized myself, felt terrible, felt guilty, had negative mind chatter going on, And I didn't have it. Like I was able just to like allow myself this space to to rest, to like take the time that I had worked hard all week and I could take the time to do nothing, (laughs) fall in and out of sleep, you know, like that felt really good, really big. I would say it's really big. Yeah. I would say the piece for me, like when you were referencing that you're teaching the stuff that you need to learn. Yeah. For me, that's been around food, you know, Mm -hmm. food has been a really tricky thing for me in my life. And um, I have lived inside of many eating disorders. And so there's something there's, there's definitely something there for me in that, that feels really important, really powerful. And I don't know if that will ever necessarily come through the business because it's, it's, it's not Jeannie's story. That's just mine. But I think you know, food has always been a tricky thing for me. And it's been really since I've had kids that I have learned to really love it. And I do love cooking and it's a beautiful creative outlet for me. I love feeding other people, Mm -hmm. but I think I'm still learning how to feed myself really well.
0: That's interesting. Yeah. I love that edge that you're on right there around, there's so many things coming through as we're talking around your relationship to food on all the levels, Yeah. right? Yep. From this collective all the way down to this very personal piece that you're talking about here. And, you know, I can think of, well, I mean, the realm of feed, nourish, tend is such the realm of the sacred feminine. Yeah. I mean, all the cultures. Yep have this beautiful expression of how we take care of food, grow food, prepare food, share meals. And I think, well, your brand is tapped into that completely. It shows that there's so much depth here. And we look at how disrupted that is at this collective level. And then we think as individuals, we have a problem with food. Yeah. And we don't. It's a collective problem.
1: It's a collective problem.
0: Where we have been completely disconnected, yes, from from that whole process of yes. food as a sacred, honored part of our life, yeah, on every level, right? And so, you know, when I'm working with individuals and they're taking on this big thing, I always say, well, hey, let's take a step back. And you alluded to it earlier, right? There's this whole problem with food. Mm-hmm. You're trying to hit it at every level.
1: Every level. <laughs>
0: really interesting. Yeah. Is there any part of that story that you feel is important to share with other women who may be, you know, working on their relationship to food or Mm. just trying to understand it in a more holistic way, a more healing way? Because
1: I mean, I think I have really like, and I don't, I know it's not for everybody, but I think, you know, the particular health challenges that I have faced have really forced me into, um, Examining that relationship. And I think I've really taken on food as, or I see food as kind of like the master healer of so many things. And, um, and I, who knows if that's right or not right, but certainly like
0: your experience. experience?
1: It's been my experience. And I think both just from like physical, mental health to really like emotional, spiritual health, you know, that there's. I mean, how many of us as women have taken on a belief that we need to look a certain way in order to, to be worthy of love, to be worthy of receiving affection, attention. And I think growing up inside of that, and, you know, as a kid, you you take on that stuff and you, I'm not sure where I'm going here, but you don't have access to not any knowledge of like, you're just taking in information and you don't have Mm-hmm. right, and you don't have anything to bounce it off of and you're t- then developing habits and ways of coping that are so destructive and disruptive. and you know it's taken me so long to kind of unravel that and understand that yes, I don't have a problem with food. The world around me has a problem with food and body image and land stewardship and all of the things and and I have absorbed it and it's, It's not actually mine. I'm just, I'm holding it.
0: And transforming it.
1: For the culture.
0: Yeah. And you're transforming it, right? This is one that I feel is so important to disrupt. Yes. Right? Because think of all of the wasted time that you and I together have spent on how to look, what to wear, what our body's doing, how do we fit in? Are we going to get love by looking? All of that is such a waste of our power. Such this is why I'm just like, can we just get this one corrected? Yes. Because all of that energy going into things that we care about on a I mean it's chilling, right? This is when we get it gets big. Yeah. This is where it gets freaking big. When we look at the system and how it is literally taking away, I have to say, from women, their power and and rerouting it into things that do not matter I'm worthy of love in this body you're worthy of love in that body and so are all the other women who are wasting so much time yeah right and this struggle is real it is is such a big part of it our relationship to it our thinking around it but also just like getting the right food in our bodies so we feel Mm -hmm. balanced and whole and we can just start to enjoy like really enjoying being in our bodies
1: yes yes
0: I yeah. love that you're, I mean, I hear that this kind of feels like the next yeah, it this like probably a, sovereignty is kind of the place that it feels like you're going.
1: Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And I think, you know, in conjunction with that, is like I think there's this piece for me around around sovereignty, around access to food and how what a privileged thing that is. And I say that speaking about my Mexican family that I think has had Lack of education around good nutrition, have had to work really difficult, long hour jobs, often through the night in order to make a living um, and care for their families. And what the downstream problems are of that, which are not time to shop for, plan for, cook meals, has made big food readily accessible and easy. And then, then the the downstream problems that come from the, from all of that, which are really complicated health problems that are expensive. Like it just, it's so layered and so fraught for me. So yeah, that's, there's definitely something potent there that I'm like,
0: feel it. what
1: is it all? (laughs) What is it all?
0: Keep holding in that place. Yeah. Because I think our rage is really important. Yeah. Yeah. I see it. It's a lot of rage. Yeah. Yeah. But that shows us where. Something is really off.
1: Yep. Yeah.
0: And brings the power in. That's right. To do something about it. That's right. Mm. I'm excited for you for this yeah. next piece. <laughs> There's one thing I want to touch on before we have to say goodbye because I know we could have like 20 more topics. I know. Um, and there it's just something that I love about you and I feel like we didn't get to get too far into, but um just the whole concept of beauty. Mm. It's like and really cultivating something beautiful. Like you aren't just putting out paper towels, you're putting out the most beautiful, crafted, beautiful colors for the table, right? You're making meals that are just they're beautiful. You curate flowers, but tell me a little bit, because this is the strong thread around beauty and what it means to you. Because I feel like it's in everything you do.
1: Oh thank you. I love that question. Honestly, I feel like it has just been something that's been alive in me since I was little. Like yeah. this, like the way that I see the world and maybe that's, maybe that came through adversity, you know, that early childhood was difficult and leaning into beauty was mm. a safe haven, right? Like finding the beauty was, was a comforting place to put myself. And I also grew up with two artists. Right. I was surrounded by a lot of art, a lot of beauty. My mother and my stepfather both loved to cook. So they cooked always and had people over and interesting people. You know, they surrounded themselves with very interesting people, writers, artists. I feel like it just kind of was always a part of my life and my mother like even you know when we had really nothing like she made such a beautiful home Mm. that felt cozy and safe and really felt like an expression of, of herself I think it's the thing that helps me balance all the rage that I do feel I think it's the thing that has brings me peace in the simplicity of a flower to more extravagant I don't know, meals, what have you, like it's broad reaching for me where I find beauty. And I think it, it is, it really is my, my safe place. It ha- it brings me a lot of hope and a lot of joy and it balances, it balances the parts that feel dark.
0: Beauty as a safe place. <laughs> so how can people learn more about your work and find your beautiful yes. products?
1: Well, of course, you can find us on our website, which is www.madrelinen.com. We have an Instagram handle, which is Madre Linen as well. And um, we have a newsletter that we'd love you to sign up for if that's appealing. We like to share recipes and music lists and just new products that we're sharing. Yeah, those are the main spots to
0: find us. Wonderful, yeah. Thank you, my dear friend. I love you. Your work is amazing. I love hearing your you. work is amazing. Hearing the story from a different angle, <laughs> right, and learning new things about you—just beautiful. It's so good to see you. Ancient horses, spill the secrets. That's it for this episode of Magnolia Leadership Podcast. Having you here is such a blessing. As a Magnolia woman, we are leading from our deep aligned power to bring our full bloom to ourselves and our gifts to the world. If you're inspired by this podcast, I invite you to share it with someone or leave a review. Sign up for our newsletter or one of Magnolia Leadership's upcoming in-person or online offerings at magnolialeadershipco.com. Thanks for listening until next time. So much love to you.